What's up, y'all? My name's Leticia, and you're listening to Confessions from the Closet, a podcast all about vulnerability and overcoming. It's time we get ourselves unstuck from these boxes and these closets that we've allowed ourselves to be trapped in. We're so much bigger than these boxes we've been in. It's time we go deep, y'all. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another week of Confessions from the Closet. I am so excited about today. If you've heard any of the episodes, you've probably heard me talk about FCA. And the person that I am getting to speak with today is someone who I met in FCA. And um, when I heard her, her coming out story on Facebook, I was like, I have to talk to her because our stories are so similar. And um, it just blew me away. So I'm going to let her talk more about her story. But thank you so much for joining me, Erica. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So the first thing I want to talk about is um, something I always talk about, and it's your, like, when did you come to know Jesus, like your faith? Like, when did that first start? And what was that like? Well, it's funny you mentioned FCA camp. Uh, It was maybe the day after we met. So that was 2009. And that was Mm -hmm. the summer after my junior year of high school, going into senior year. And I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. So I was in and out of church, but uh, my relationship to God was very much a, like a Southern morality type of thing. When I Mm -hmm. would think about God, it was more about if I was doing something wrong or (laughs) Uh, a scolding type of thing. It was behavioral. It was like a behavioral God. And then that FCA camp, I heard uh, Garrett Kell talk about Jesus. And Mm -hmm. I heard about grace and love. And it totally changed the way that I perceived God in my life as well. And so, yeah, the FCA camp helped me out. That's, I love that. Yeah. So it was was the day, I think it was the day after we met that, that they, uh, gave that sermon and it really hit me. It struck me. That's awesome. Um, cause there are, there are so many good things that FCA has brought into my life. And then there was some things that like happened that were a little bit more painful, but I'll always look at FCA as like my favorite summers being at camps and meeting people and, uh, as a counselor, I feel like we got more than y'all. Like y'all mm-hmm. gave us more than we gave y'all. I don't know. It was weird. Even though we were, we were pouring everything out, like just watching y'all was one of the best things um, for me anyways. Yeah. But, I can um, definitely see that. Yeah. It was great. I love it. I always look back and I'm just like, man, that was fun. Um, so when did you start to understand that you were gay? or different or whatever you looked at it like at that age. Yeah. I, I kind of talk about it. There's a, there's a knowing or an inkling and then there's an accepting and I didn't accept mm-hmm. myself and my queerness until about two years ago, a little more than two years ago. But I, there were signs from when I was really, really young Uh, A particular one is I remember seeing Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban in theaters and having a really big crush on Emma Watson. And I remember being so aware of my crush that I got really red. My face heated up in the theater and I would look around like people knew that I had a crush on her. And I I talked earlier about 
my relationship to God, if I thought about God, it was about morality. I remember going home and crying and praying. So, mm. I, and that was 2003 and I was born in 92. So I had to be 10 or 11, but I had already wow. internalized these ideas so young that mm-hmm. there was something wrong with me having a crush on Emma Watson that I wasn't supposed to. And I remember yeah. different moments like that. They And they were varied. I only started unearthing them a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. maybe finally had the courage or space or freedom to start facing them more honestly. But yeah, yeah that's, I think I had some knowing moments very, very early on and but I didn't accept myself until a couple of years ago. Yeah. Were there a lot of things that you heard growing up that like that you can remember that probably started that internalized fear and homophobia that you had like that stand out to you? I think so, so many and so many different types. Uh, I think that there is a really harmful homophobic ideas that are about disgust there mm-hmm. you know like that's gross that's unnatural that those parts don't fit and they're all part of this narrative um and so yeah i think there was i don't think that we'll, people are born with that kind of disapproval mm-hmm. or being grossed out with something i think it's taught um yeah I I think that there was a lot of mockery and jokes, you know, it used to be a diss. Mm -hmm. That's gay. That's gay of you. And it it didn't mean happy anymore. It meant like that's lame or something. Yeah. Weak, dumb. Yeah, weak, dumb. And so, uh, and then, you know, I still was around a lot of the, the Southern ideals. And so there just was the idea that this is sinful and this is a, a chosen lifestyle that you've completely turned away from God and you're like a, a sexual deviant. And there it's a, and this means all of these things about you and none of them are good. So yeah. those are, I think a lot of those ideas, they linger, but they're not as prevalent. A lot of, them are they're the outdated ideas but those were the ideas that i was raised with yeah 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 i heard a lot of those things i think one of the things that was said when i came out was that something about perversion and masturbation i was like what does that have to do with my being gay or being honest about my being gay like no i'm just still me just honest me Mm -hmm. Um, yeah there seems to be which is so sad it is it, it's so it's so so sad i feel sad for my younger self and uh mm-hmm. a lot of the time when i share i want younger people to to feel the freedom that i didn't um and i know yeah. that's something that you've talked about too really caring about mm-hmm. how queer children are treated and the world yes. around them but i recently watched pray away um mm-hmm. it's a new movie on netflix about conversion therapy and it, a lot of it, it's I couldn't recommend it more it's a great film but yeah. um they're just the the masturbation and perversion you mentioned made me think of the movie there seems to be a script and a lot of it's fear-based um and yeah. there are these really extreme narratives there's uh 
the the distant father and overbearing mother. There are these kind of mm-hmm. which plenty of every a lot of people have, um, not just queer people, yeah. but there seems to be these right. really generalized fear-based, really extreme accusations leveled at queer people without queer people actually being asked about their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's a lot of uh, people that aren't a part of the community making assumptions and then calling it science. Uh, it was really, really harmful, but especially the masturbation and perversion. Yeah. And it's like, so, it's, yeah, yeah. It's insane, yeah, because I just read Out Love, which was by Julie, who's in the film. Mm-hmm. I just finished, like, the last couple pages this morning. And uh, that's, like, one of the first things she talks about was, like, he's discussing, like, if you're fantasizing about your parent, you don't have a good relationship, so you're fantasizing about them when you're masturbating. I'm like, wait a second. Like, what? Why are you talking about this? Like, this was his theory, and it was just, like, okay, why does that have anything to do with same-sex attraction? I don't understand. Maybe that's your story, dude, but... That's not all of our story. (laughs) Maybe you have a problem with that. And I don't think that has anything to do with being gay. That's just something that people have. Um, But if you haven't read her book yet, though, I 100% recommend it. I always I've been linking it since I bought it. But uh, they dive into her story so much. She does. Obviously, she wrote it. Uh It's so much more than what they show in the film. Uh And it's just heartbreaking. I think I was desensitized to the film because I had already started reading her book. So I knew more than what was actually shown in the film. And it's like, whoa, like 10 years of that she went through. So from like the time she was 16 or 17 to like 27. I'm like, that's a long time to have all that trauma and that indoctrination. And I think she's still unpacking it probably. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And yeah, I know I still am with a lot of things. So, um, in your coming out thing, your post, there was a couple, there was a lot of things that stood out to me. Um, one was that you wanted to be honest to help others, which you just mentioned. And I love that. Um, cause I, I think you're like me, you're always thinking about your younger self and the younger generation. And, um, but then you say, this may go without saying, but I'm the exact same person you have always known, if only just a little more honest and a lot more free. Was there a fear behind that when you said that? I think there was fear. There was also truth. I think that, like we were saying, we were raised in these homophobic ideas. And one of them being that once you accept this this part of yourself and the, the language around it has changed. So now people say mm-hmm. same sex attracted. But when we were, when we were kids, it's like, if you accept you're gay and you stop fighting it, you've given up completely, you know, you've turned away from yeah. God. So God will turn away from you. And this, it's this clean cut. Mm-hmm. And this is this perverted version of you that was inside all along. And now you're letting it be unleashed. Um, mm-hmm. And I think some people still believe that. And I don't think that they've spent a lot of time listening to queer people, studying the scriptures in in an exegetical way where they're actually diving into the translations and all that. I think that it's just a perception. And so maybe it was a fear-based defense, but also it's true. And I don't, I don't know that some people 
realized that. And, and so it felt like an, there are so many truths in my coming out story, but it felt Mm -hmm. like in my post, that was one of the most important truths to share. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people reached out and that seemed to be something that stuck out to them too, almost like a relief. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe people who don't, can't support me or choose not to support me because their beliefs are almost relieved to know that I'm still the same person. Mm -hmm. And I think if people can accept smaller truths, maybe in, in the end they can accept larger, the larger truth or become more accepting, more loving. And so Mm -hmm. it it was, I was, I was afraid, but I was, I was courageous or brave enough to push past that fear, embrace the fear of releasing the narrative of who I am. I used Mm -hmm. to, and I still do. I care so much about what people think. And there are so many, there's so much misinformation and misperception and assumptions made about everyone but especially queer mm-hmm. people and so i knew by coming out people would assume oh she was never saved or they would assume yeah. oh she's now she's a promiscuous um <laughs> no sex pot like yeah. you know like just all of these assumptions about me and i i guess it was a it was a true defense but it's also uh, fearful um yeah, and also I was trying to have some fun with it. <laughs> it seemed you like did, a good place a for me job. to make some jokes about myself. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. I still guzzle 60 hour fantasy novels and write poems about God. I'm still me. Like I love it. It's mm-hmm. true. I did the same thing. I was like, I'm I'm still me and just not lying anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm the same person. I'm just not lying anymore about this big part that was a, it was haunting me constantly. Um So I love that because I even think I talked about this, I think, last week that I still have this defense mechanism that like when we're around people, especially like Sundays after church at lunch, I always have to like talk loudly that we were just at church or did you hear me sing that at worship? And I'm like, who am I trying to impress? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't care what you think, but I do care. That's the problem. I care Mm -hmm. way too much. Mm -hmm. And so it's like this defense, but like, see, I love Jesus, you know, like this thing that I'm still trying to process because I've realized this about myself. And I don't know if it's just, if it's way more common than just you and I feeling that. Um, Cause when you said that, I was like hundred percent feel all of that. Like I do the same thing still. And I've mm-hmm. been married for eight years. Like, come on, Leticia, mm-hmm. you have two kids, you're married. Um, but it's, I think because of all those years of fear and it does still happen. There are still those people who, believe it's a sin and have not done the research like you said Mm -hmm. Um, because no one's pushing them to they don't have this deep life or death kind of thing that we had it was like i can choose to live in my freedom of who i am and possibly lose my faith because that's what i've been told or i can come to god with it and figure this out and Mm -hmm. that's what i did and i want to talk more about that because i know that's what you did so you Mm -hmm. talk about how you had been researching and watching pod or listening to podcasts, watching videos, reading books, digging into the Bible. So can you tell me more about that journey, when that started, what all types of things you read, all of it, just, Mm -hmm. I want to know. Yeah. I've, I had read different perspectives. I studied theology and ethics in undergrad at Baylor 
And Mm -hmm. so I had explored a few different perspectives, but it was just a small section in a one particular class type of thing. There wasn't a deep dive. Mm -hmm. And kind of like you're saying, I wasn't pushed to believe anything differently. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think the narrative is so almost, um, it's almost like a shoe narrative, like shoe getaway when people will just say, but the Bible's clear Mm -hmm. Uh, and they leave it at that. And there's not much else that explored. So the Bible's clear homosexuality is a sin. Um, Mm -hmm. When in fact, you know, you do any sort of dive, it's not as clear as it seems. Um, But I, 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 come from that perspective so I empathize and I understand but uh, I worked at a church when I after I graduated I did youth and one of my girls came out to me and um, I was given a book to pass along called Is God Anti-Gay by Sam Albury and it's very popular in uh, evangelical circles And it's kind of the new norm. I think it's set a lot of uh, the foundation for the new norm in evangelical circles, which is that you can be same-sex attracted. Mm -hmm. You can, you are born this way, you can't help it, but this is the thorn in your side and you're cross to bear and you must Mm -hmm. stay abstinent. And so I think there are some main voices in that camp. Yeah. And so I looked at it and there was just something not landing for me. And I just had open conversations with this girl um, in the midst. I had a hard time giving her the book, if that makes sense. And so I was kind of thinking, this feels like a a frail argument. There's there's something not landing for me, but Mm -hmm. I didn't associate it with myself. I yeah. was far, far too repressed and very deep to do that. I, I knew, though, looking back, I knew and I would be so petrified just thinking mm-hmm. about it and having these conversations because I felt something opening up. I think I, yeah. there was a little light starting to show. So I just clamped it shut for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then a couple, two years ago, when I finally accepted myself and I'm like, no. Like, this is it. And I hadn't dated men in, like, five or six years. Uh, yeah. So there were some other big signs. But I finally accepted myself. And I thought, I want to get, I want to know everything I possibly can before I move mm. forward in any direction. And so I reread Sam Albury's book. And I read um, Queer Christian pers- from every part of the spectrum. Uh yeah queer Christian perspectives from every part of the spectrum. So um, Good Girl, Gay God by Jackie Hill Perry, which falls more in line with Sam Albury and Rosaria Butterfield. They're all kind of in similar camps, which is, you know, stay abstinent. This is a sin. There's not a huge deep dive into scripture except reading it at face Mm -hmm. value for the most part. And Mm -hmm. there is some contextualization, but um, I then read... You mentioned Matthew Vines in mm-hmm. one of your podcasts. He's uh, he's big, and I've read Unclobbered by Colby Martin mm-hmm. and Torn Justin Lee. My absolute favorite is Walking the Bridgeless Canyon by Kathy Baldock. Yeah. It was a comprehensive, comprehensive reading. I've sent that. I've bought that book for so many people because really? she dives into scripture 
and also the context of, of medical science and homophobia and how that's connected to politics and, um, you know, diving into yeah. the whole thing because a lot is connected. And I think the most important part for a lot of people, like the starting place is I really encourage anyone listening that hasn't dove into the clobber passages to really read about the translations. I know you mentioned the 1946 movie. Um, yeah. But th- there were a lot of leaps taken when the word, the word homosexuality didn't even exist in the dictionary until, you know, a couple decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of leaps were taken when added. Uh, and it's hurt a lot of people. And so yeah. I didn't know any of this. I wasn't sure. The, my big question was, can I be free? God, I am, I am attracted to women. I cannot help it. I've tried so many different things. I cannot yeah. help it. Do you still love me? Can you still love me? Can I be free and, and still love me? Can I love a woman and you still love me? And mm-hmm. studying for months and really years, I had been curious for a long time without knowing I had a personal vested interest in the answer. And mm-hmm. I just kept coming up to yeses like yes I love you yes you can love a woman and I love you and Mm -hmm. I love you and I love you and it's it's good it's even knowing that in my mind I wanted to feel sure cognitively but now I I have a girlfriend I have a beautiful girlfriend I love her so much and she Mm -hmm. had she also faith is so important to her as well and we met at a queer Christian conference and that's awesome. I I came to this place of acceptance, knowing that God loved me still, but mm-hmm. to actually experience the freedom of being with her, and how easy and effortless and natural it is to be with her, and how I mm-hmm. I, I almost feel like I worship God more clearly and more um, purely because I'm free too, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm. It's it's a wonderful thing to not just know something to experience it as well. That's good. I yeah. like that. Um, yeah, I interviewed Rocky, the director of 1946, whose the whole film is about Kathy's book and uh, everything that she's found. I've watched her videos on YouTube where she dives into how she did all this research and. It's like four hours on YouTube, but it's like amazing. I can't wait to see the film or it's just put out more clearly. But um, I haven't gotten to read that book yet. It's on my list, uh, but I have watched some of her stuff. And just I think something that is so important is that people do dig deeper into the scriptures and not take it at face value. Something that um, my friend Trey who's the son of our pastor who just passed away, uh, shared last week in his sermon, which I'll insert the clip right here. Hermeneutics. And so hermeneutics is the way you, you approach Scripture. And now that we have the Internet, we have so much inter- information at our fingertips, this is something that's available to every single Bible student. And if you're a Christian and you re- read your Bible, you should be a student of the Bible and not merely reading the Bible. If you're going to make assumptions from Scripture to live by, or try to force other people to live by, you better know what you're talking about. And so you take it, this approach, and it's a, it's a very uh, 
easy approach to take nowadays because everything's so easily available. It's when you take the literal scripture, and that's what we just read, literal scripture. Literal means you just read it for what it's worth. You read it, that's what it says, and that's as far as you go. And then you have a pre-understanding. So when I said women be silent in church, you had a pre-understanding of, wow, we're not supposed to be talking in church. But in this particular way of studying Scripture, you have an opportunity to go and break down that verse. Break down that whole thing that it was saying there, that Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 14. Do you remember in 2 Timothy, when Paul was writing to Timothy, who was a young preacher, he said these words. He said, study, he said, Timothy, study to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing, it's one word in the Greek. Rightly dividing, it means dissect. That's a literal translation of that word. Dissect the word to show yourself approved by God. Study to show yourself approved by God. Dissect the word. That's what he was saying. Don't just take it for face value. So we've taken this approach to Scripture, and they've done this for 150 years. Nearly every preacher anywhere uses this today. You break it apart. How do you break it apart? Well, you know there's a, there's a context. You, there, that we know that there's an original language. We know there's a cultural application. Culture is huge. There's a traditional understanding. What have other scholars said over the years? What have people understood this verse to mean for all these years? What are people saying about it? Your historical context. When it was written, what was going on? Do we know? I loved what Trey said a few weeks ago standing up here. He said Paul was writing to specific churches with specific problems. I love that. I thought it was so true. And that is the historical context. And finally, a theme of Scripture, and the most important thing of all, after you dissect the verse and break the verse into all these parts, and you try to find as much as you can about those verses, you come back and you pray for the Holy Spirit to give you revelation. Hallelujah. Because he's the teacher and the guide. I teach up here, but I pray that you don't just take this and go off, and that's all you know. If you're a student of the Word, study the Word. Study the Word. And don't just get a literal understanding and then take that to the streets and start pounding people over the head with it. Um, was where his dad talked about, you're not supposed to just read Scripture at face value. You're supposed to dissect it and dig into it, and we're called to do that. We're not supposed to just take the pastor on stage's word for what he said. We're supposed to go home and dig deep into the scripture and look up words that we don't understand and look up context and cultural um, history and what was going on when this was written. And um, I'm sorry to say we're lazy and we don't do that unless it's really important to you, which for me it was. I did that. I dug into it. Um, and I know you did the same, obviously. Matthew Vines does a great job of digging into the scriptures. Um, that's his whole thing with his book and with when he goes to speak is breaking down the scriptures and, and what was said and what was incorrect. And uh, that's what kind of saved me was knowing that what I was hearing was the truth about me my whole life. Um, I don't know if this happened to you, but I, I love to do research and I did research on both sides, but eventually I heard God say, that's enough. You've researched enough. Stop. Don't order another book. And I was like, okay. <laughs> He's like, you're fine. Just come out. Stop. Um, because it's just like, it's such a scary thing to face, uh -huh. to be like, am I making the right decision? Um, 
And I love that you're experiencing that freedom that you, you know, without a doubt, you did make the right decision and you are helping others by sharing your story. And you're an amazing writer. I don't know. You, do you have a blog? <laughs> like you I don't, blog I don't have don't. a blog, but I, I do write. That's my, my dream is to tell stories for mm-hmm. my career. And I've been working yeah. on a novel for about five years now. Mm-hmm. So that's my third novel attempt. So I do write yeah. often. I just, it's mostly fiction. <laughs> yeah. Well, you need to write some of this. I think it would help a lot of people like your coming out story and just the experiences of what you've gone through since you've come out, I'm sure will help even more people um, because you're really good with words and it's not, it's, it's like you have big words in there, but it's not too heavy. if that makes sense you know like Mm -hmm. i'm dyslexic so reading's not like i love to read but it's harder for me and Mm -hmm. i'm just like no like you i've read your coming out post several times because i'm like yeah yes all of it um so i do encourage you you should write more about your story and your journey um because it is freeing for others when we're vulnerable with our stories yeah thank you thank you so much of course um, you said in there that burying the truth suffocated you and coming out of that grave. I love that because it's, yeah, I feel that. And so can you tell me more about how that felt once you started to realize that you were suffocating? I think initially when I realized I was suffocating, I panicked. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like when you can't breathe, that feeling of realizing it and just scraping at the surface, but kind of flailing. Um, And I was really, really scared. You know, I wasn't sure that I could make it. I felt a bunch of different things in that period, a lot of anxiety, Mm -hmm. a lot of of bouts of depression. Um, and I think there were things that I had, I had felt for a long time, maybe my whole life, but Mm -hmm. I knew why, like I I knew why at this point. And that was almost scarier (laughs) because now it's this thing and I don't know if I can face it. I don't feel like I have any control over, over it. And Um, I was really, really scared. And then instead of kind of aimlessly flailing, I feel like God gave me the courage and the strength to actually fight to survive. Mm -hmm. And I think there were a ton of things that I did to try and fight to survive. And one of those being what we already talked about, which is trying to learn more, trying Mm -hmm. to, but I, I also would just sit with God and Mm -hmm. um, try to enjoy things and the beauty of things and and remember. And then almost most importantly, see the beauty in myself. I think self-loathing would creep up. I've I've been through hard things in my life. Mm -hmm. They weren't from me. And I had family trauma. I had uh, really difficult situations in my childhood, but they weren't my fault. They didn't come from inside of me. And this thing felt like this, this beast. And I was like, is, is it an ugly beast or is it this beautiful creature? Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to find out. And 
So, uh, yeah, I felt, I felt so suffocated knowing that I might not, the world, part of the world didn't want me to be free. Part of the world wanted me to stay buried and, Mm -hmm. and the part of the world that does, some of them are my friends. Some of them are my family. Some of them um, are really close to me and they would rather me stay under the dirt. Um, Mm. and so I think it's a very scary thing to know that, um, coming up to the surface, taking this gulp of air, this relief, like if you saw anyone coming up, um, you'd be so happy, except that I knew people wouldn't be. Um, Mm. and so I think part of my post was also about that releasing that no matter what, this is a good thing, no matter what you think this is a good thing to me. And this is a good thing that other, other people are buried too. And if, if I can stick my hand in the dirt and grab them, if this can pull them up Mm -hmm. a little bit closer to the surface. And for some people, it brought them all the way out. Like, uh, I had message, I still get messages this day of, of people coming out for the first time or accepting themselves or people changing their minds. And yeah. I'm, that's not my only goal, but yeah, I think being unburied in, in any, and I love your intro to the show coming out of any closet you're in, you know, there are mm-hmm. boxes that the world puts us in and yeah. everyone needs to be coming out and it, it doesn't matter what your grave is or your box or your closet God loves bringing things into the light. And so people helped pull me out of my grave. And so I'm helping others and I have other, other things. We're always working through stuff, but this was a big one. And so, yeah, I, I, I really genuinely feel like breathing, like the physical act of breathing is easier. Now I feel relieved and thankful all the time I can physically mentally emotionally spiritually feel my embracing of freedom but when I was suffocating I didn't know that I would ever make it and so yeah it is it is a beautiful thing to be on the other side and to be breathing this air but it was it was petrifying for sure I'm sure I mean I don't know. I'm proud. I was so proud of you when I saw your post because I know how scary it is. And knowing that you came from FCA and I mean, I, I don't know that I knew that you were a youth leader at one point, but I knew that you were involved in faith and coming out, especially in that circle, knowing that a lot of people would rather us be buried. Um, as sad as that sounds that that takes a different type of courage and bravery um and the more we come out and we share that like god is still it for us he's still the one who we seek comfort in um is what's going to continue to change people's minds and people's lives to give them the bravery to come out or to give them the bravery to come out as an ally or whatever it is um we were talking before we recorded and we said that the loudest ones are usually the ones in the smallest closets. Um, and I, I had a dream last night cause I knew I was going to talk to you and I have a friend in FCA who I dreamt about who's also out now. Um, but we haven't really gotten to talk and I like had this fear. I was like, I wonder if I said something to hurt them 
because they had struggled with it like when before they actually came out before I had come out and I was so loud about it I was so vocal about but you can't do this this is bad like God loves you he can help you and knowing I knew I was gay and I was fighting this battle I'm like come on we can't do this but I never told anyone that I knew I was gay I was like but you know only I knew and I've written a blog about it like I wrote it a long time ago before I met my wife saying, if I ever heard you in FCA, I'm sorry. I knew Mm. I was a hypocrite. Like I knew it. And, uh, when people tell me, they're like, I said those things. Oh my God. I said all these things. I'm like, I did too though. And I knew I was gay. Like, but I was so indoctrinated with the thought that, that it was really wrong and that I would go to hell. Like I told my wife, I thought if I acted on it and kissed a girl, like right then I was gone. Like you're done. Yeah. Like it, that's how real it was to me. Like you're struck down, you're in hell, gone. You're gonna die for kissing a girl. Like uh-huh. that's it. And that's crazy to think about now. It's like, wow. But it was very real to me. And um, I was one of the people who was loud. And I told our best friends who were at their house, I was like, but as equally loud as I was back then, I'm equally as loud now that I'm out mm. trying to be like, you are okay. Jesus is an ally. Jesus does love you. You're not a mistake. Um, and so that's, that was the whole point of the podcast is to share stories like yours, share stories like mine. Um, all the ones I can find and gather and share to like help change the narrative and the conversation. Yeah. Um, So I know I told you, I messaged you and I think I posted on there. I'm more of like, I want to DM someone and tell them how proud I am, but I I am so proud of you. Um, And I love seeing you walk in your freedom because it's like whatever closet you had, you said things need to be brought to the light. And that used to be such a dark thing to me, like, oh, all the darkness needs to be brought to the light. But you're right. It's like our, our skeletons in the closet, like that could be these beautiful things, but we've been taught to see them as monsters. Um, that was such a good point because we do all have mm. a closet, whether it be mm. being LGBTQ or having gone through trauma. Um, everyone has some type of closet. And the more you can be vulnerable with that, the more healing you can find because that shame can't hold you down anymore. Mm. Um, I read today someone said, that being open about their story released their shame because mm. they weren't worried someone else was going to find out and throw it out there for them. And I'm like, yes, that's, that's it. <laughs> like we got to stop being afraid to share a mess because everyone has one. Everyone's mm-hmm. walking around with something. Um, yeah. 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 You there's shared- so much. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. There's like a lag sometimes on this. Um, I had seen that you shared uh, lifeboats like right after you came out mm-hmm. and I, I watched it this morning and I'll link it in the video and on the podcast. But um, tell me more about like stuff like that. I feel like those are types of things that you've looked into and just the heart behind that. If you could share that with everyone. Yeah. Um, lifeboats is a video to me, just about grace and love and acceptance and, and and reacting out of those things as well. I think one of the hardest parts 
you know, I come out all the time. I, I made a coming out post, but I had to come out a bunch before then. And I'm constantly coming out now. Um, coming out does not ever stop. And sometimes it's really difficult when uh, people feel like the victim, like they feel affronted by my queerness, like it is mm-hmm. to hurt them and uh, or they're angry or they're this, this and this. And um, I have I have empathy for them. Similar to you, I used to I, I have. I've been homophobic in my life. Uh, And I do want to say just on that, I love how much grace and forgiveness there is. Not just, Mm -hmm. you know, we understand if people don't respond well, there is so much grace and forgiveness. Like, because I have been there, because you've been there, you've Mm -hmm. been on the other side, you've said things that have been hurtful or you're ashamed of and you've, you know, we're forgiving ourselves. We've received forgiveness and we can extend it too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's very present. The, the queer community is a very understanding bunch. Yes. <laughs> it's very, maybe forced to be, but a very, very understanding bunch. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, um, I feel so protective of children. Um, the statistics are harrowing, uh, mm-hmm. uh, depression, self-loathing, uh, thoughts of suicide, attempts of suicide, uh, mm-hmm. because there's so much rejection, so much hatred, so much stigma. And a lot of people think the world is better now or free or more open that the needle has moved and, a lot of Christians think that especially, but Christians are still, let's say about 65% mm-hmm. of America. We'll talk about America. And um, most people do not in that subset do not approve of homosexuality. And so kids are coming out in these families who are, you know, Christians supposed to represent grace and compassion. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus Christ was the best was so understanding was so accepting Mm -hmm. and when these kids come out they aren't met with those things they're met with being kicked out they're met with hatred they're they're met with you need to go to conversion therapy you need two out of three kids are asked to change to be accepted according Mm -hmm. to a 2019 Trevor project so they they're asked to change their sexual orientation in order to be accepted and there are so few things, you know, few experience in life where a kid is asked, kids are encouraged all the time, explore, find what you love, but mm-hmm. they express this part of themselves. And they're like, no, if you want to be accepted in your church and your family and what have you, you have to change. And it hurts. Mm-hmm. It hurts kids. It harms them. It kills them. It hurts people. I'm not, obviously it's not just yeah. children, but they're yeah. so vulnerable it's harder to have a support system when you're younger. And, um, yeah, I, I just encourage everyone to watch lifeboats to give a good framework for how to respond in love mm-hmm. and how to, to even just sit in love and be, be ready in, in the mindset to, to just embrace somebody and not say, yeah. there's also this response of like, it's okay. We love you anyway. Like there's still something wrong with you, but I'm doing something brave here by loving you. Your child is still lovable. Your child is still beautiful. 
like your child's more free. There's a celebration yeah. that should be happening, not a punishment or a mourning. And I, I understand it's complicated because people have different perspectives and are taught different things. But I think Lifeboats gives a good framework about how as a parent or an authority person to be better prepared to just love, to, to just love. And yeah, that's, that's, that's on my heart a lot. The And that's why I think Pray Away is helpful too, to expose conversion therapy as a more harmful and hurtful mm. entity than what it was put out and made to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of queer people have been very, very, very hurt um, by things that have been called good. And I just want to speak out against them. Yeah, that's good. Um, Maddie and I talk about like, we are even as grownups, we're just trying to heal our inner child. So whatever we've experienced in our childhood, like that's constantly like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember that. That hurts. Yeah. Let me, let me work through that. Um, which is why I'm an advocate for therapy and counseling. Cause that's like the easiest and best healthiest way to get help because my, my wife's not going to know what to say for something that deep. Like, I don't know what to say for something <laughs> that deep. I always like people will message me. I'm like, I'm not a counselor. I wish I was, but I don't know all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, even I think raising children has helped me the most with that. It's like seeing things in them that can be seen as bad things like, oh, they're bad or this. And they're pushing back and they're pushing. They're both pushing boundaries right now. One's a preteen and one's a toddler. So they're pushing <laughs> different boundaries. But it's like, how much do I want to silence that part of them? Because they really don't, you know, just – um the, the strong willpower, they both are so much like we're all firstborns technically in this house. So it's a lot. Same. Of <laughs> um, and so it's just the constant like that could be a great thing when they're an adult right now. That's a, like if I'm getting mad about it, usually it has to do with me and not with them. Like it's like, no, society has told you that's a bad thing. But like long term, that could be a really great thing. So mm-hmm. even in that sense, I've tried to look at them differently because I'm like, OK, how can I like better steer this personality trait of theirs to not be <laughs> so crazy? But knowing that those things can turn into great strengths. Apollo has absolutely no fear, like none. It's terrifying as a mom. Like Amaya was way easier. And Monty's like, fear's good. So I'm like, but what if he's supposed to be something great and he needs this like fearlessness because he couldn't do it if he wasn't. Uh-huh. Um, if he was just an ounce of fear, like he couldn't be what he's supposed to be. Like that was my thought. I didn't tell her to that. She'll probably laugh at this when she sees it. <laughs> She's like, really? Um, yes, really? These are, the thoughts. these are the thoughts that go through my head. Um. Because my my mom gave us freedom, but it was that thing. It's this one thing that has been drilled into us that is so bad. And uh, it's not. I've read mm-hmm. so many, like you said, the, the queer community is so much more accepting and grace-filled and love-filled. And ex- just they invite people in with open arms. Like, you're accepted here, which is what the church is supposed to be. Um, and surprisingly... And I'm not saying all churches, I get myself in trouble for this a lot, but majority hasn't quite found Jesus. I hate Mm -hmm. to say that. 
Mm. We're driven by different things that aren't Jesus. And Jesus is grace-filled, mercy, love, like accepting Jesus would be a gay bar. Like he would be there Mm -hmm. because that's where all the grace and acceptance is. Mm -hmm. Um, I eventually got tired of that being the only place I felt safe, Mm. which is what led us to our church, Um, which is very grace-filled. And I'm hopeful that more of those places will pop up around the country and the world. Um, Mm -hmm. They are for sure. Yeah. That's, I mean, I'm seeing it more and more often. Uh, I wish it was faster and I wish there was something I could do to, to help with that process. I'm hopeful that in the future I will be able to be more vocal in that, um, whatever that looks like. I think you are, I think you are part of that process. I think you, you being open and free online and in a public way, you are one of those people that reached down into my grave and pulled me closer to the surface. But I think that you're also part of moving the needle and there's, you know, this idea out there that, that policy changes public perception. And I think that every time a mind shifts or a heart shifts toward being more accepting, there's going to be more pressure for churches that are also that way. And we've seen that happening everywhere. And it's so, it's so good that, you know, you can't, that's probably why we feel defensive sometimes or want to get this truth out there because queer and Christian used to be opposite. And for some people they are, they can't go together, but Mm -hmm. that's, that's not true. And it never was, but now more people are finding out. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the queer Christian fellowship they put on a conference, which is like I said, how my girlfriend and I met and it was such a beautiful healing experience to see all of these queer people worshiping God freely and knowing mm. that most of them had a church back home. Most of them had a space that they could worship as themselves. Yeah. And so I think it's, it's growing and I feel very hopeful about it. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Um, I really do. Uh, and I, I am hopeful that it's bigger. I'm so awkward at like, because I've thought about going to like some of those conferences. I'm like, but I'm, I'm terribly, unless I was being asked to be a speaker at one, I might do better because I could speak to the whole group, but put <laughs> me in the crowd and like making me do things. Like I'm so uncomfortable with small groups and, um, I just forget how to speak. And, uh, it's really weird what happens to me where I think Maddie's the opposite. Like she really thrives in that setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's her whole job is sales and one-on-one. And um, yeah, I'm like, I probably come off rude a lot at church because the people who I know too that I'm not really close with, I'll just kind of like, like walk hey, off. It's like so walk mean, off. <laughs> but I guess because inside I'm like so terrified. I'm just like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so awkward. I'm not even upset it, but yeah. I'm working on it. I'm getting better. Well, um, you don't have to be good at talking because they do have virtual. So you just, you could type, you can do, that's how I met people. You, you do some typing. It seems like a good, yeah. happy medium. Just like a, Hey, <laughs> right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that I have any more questions. I think we covered a lot of really some stuff I didn't know and some stuff that I was curious about. Um, is there anything else that you feel in your heart that you want to share? Hmm. I think 
I want to share to any queer person, whether they're in or out of the closet, that you are loved, period. Mm -hmm. You are loved. We love you. God loves you. And freedom is better. I know it's so scary. I I learned a couple of years ago, I was taught that the opposite of love isn't hatred, but it's fear. Mm. And I think that the ways that I've loved myself the most and loved other people the most are when I've I've worked through my fear, conquered my fear, pushed past it. It's Mm -hmm. not the absence of fear, but really facing it. And you can do it. And to anyone that is um, trying to explore what they think about um, whether you can be queer and Christian and hasn't dove into things. Yeah. I really encourage you to do so. It is lives are at stake. It's of utmost importance. If you have mm-hmm. children, especially read walking the bridgeless Canyon, watch pray away 1946. You can read all mm-hmm. perspectives. You don't just have to read one, but, but really put some thought and time into it. It, it matters. It, it really, really matters. And mm-hmm. think of it as an act of love. And um, yeah. And thank you so much for having me on. I really yes. appreciate it. Thank you for coming and just sitting with me. Um, we watched Joe Bell last night. Speaking of good films to watch. Have you heard of that one? With Joe um, Bell. What's it's about, about? Uh, a kid, Jaden Bell. Um, it's true, based on a true story, but it has Mark Wahlberg and uh, Connie Britton, I think, as the mm-hmm. main actors. Like, amazing film, but it's about his son who came out and being bullied, and he went on a walk across America to stand up for bullying. And it's a, it's a great film. Um, I think it's on Prime Video now. It was in theaters. It just left theaters here anyways. Oh, um, okay. But we watched that last night. Mario and I will probably talk about it more on the next episode. But um, just to, like, get a different perspective of the bullying and what happens, like, especially if you come out when you're younger, like, the kids, like, one of the main points was the kids are bullies, not because they're born as bullies, but because they're taught. It's their parents that are the problem because you're teaching homophobia and you're teaching um what to not be inclusive and to not like anyone who's different than you, mm-hmm. um, which is where bullying come from, comes mm-hmm. from, excuse me. And, uh, it's a, it's a great film too. Um, I don't think it's gotten a lot of press, but me and Maddie are yeah. constantly trying to like find things that we can speak about and that might be helpful tools, um, to help people just understand a little better. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'd recommend Joe Bell. Um, a Boy Erased is another one that we were talking oh, about. Yeah. I think I've seen some of it. That one's really good with Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. what's the Lucas guy from Hedges. Gladiator? Kurt. Oh, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe's like, oh, making it up. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> one's good and sad. And that one's based off of a true story, too. Um, mm-hmm. but it just gives you, and that was about conversion therapy. Yeah. Um, and it's just the amount of trauma that that stuff causes, not just there, like whether they make it out of it or not, whether they do actually commit suicide and succeed um, to completion or not. You know what I mean? Like the Mm -hmm. trauma that it causes for years to come, like I'm still dealing with trauma and I'm free, but I know that that trauma is keeping me from being a better parent or a better spouse or a better communicator. 
Mm. Um, because it's like that fear that's like right there, like, oh, you have to face it, but it's scary and it's hard. And, uh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Being open to like learn new things is so important in the healing process, I feel. Yeah. Um, yes. But thank you so much um, for everything you said. Again, you need to start a blog and <laughs> share your story more because I bet you have a lot of little things that you've gone through that um, nobody knows but could be very healing and helpful. Mm-hmm. And uh, something Maddie and I both want to start is like a web page where people can share more of their stories and like mm-hmm. whether it be through video or um, blog posts or whatever, just to where it's like a place where everyone can come and like learn um, from parents who are, are parents to LGBTQ kids or mm-hmm. whatever it looks like. Um, I love that. Love yeah. that idea. Keep me posted. I will. I found it because there's a girl I follow who it does this for depression and suicide awareness. Um, Jazz Thornton. I don't know if you know her. She's from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. But, Sounds um, really familiar. We just watched her film, uh, The Girl on the Bridge. And it's just like, uh, it's heartbreaking to know. I'm, I'm trying to be more vocal about depression and mental health because that's something I really struggled with. Um, and I know it was because of that internalized fear and homophobia and I wasn't ever going to be good enough because I was this, that I yeah. couldn't make go away, that thorn in my side, you know, air quotes. Cause I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> because it's just like, but it won't go away. Um, yeah. I still love God. What? Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, she's just really big in that world. And so I'm trying to like learn more on that and, and bring those two worlds together because like you said, like a lot of kids struggle more if when they're coming out with like suicide, you wrote it in your, uh, I think in your post, um, mm-hmm, I did. they mm-hmm. do, they struggle more. And I know that's where my depression started from Yeah, and dealing with it and being quiet about it for years and years caused me to get to the suicidal point but mm-hmm. anyways all all of the things but thank you so much i really appreciate it i will link all those books and any videos you send me in the comments so people can have more resources to just check it out and i will keep you busted on yes that website we gotta really me and Marty really gotta buckle down and get it done yeah so until next time thank you so much for watching and have a great one hey guys thanks for listening to my mom's podcast Be sure to hit that subscribe button, turn on the notifications, and give this video a big thumbs up. Also, thanks for your comments and your feedback. Hey guys, thanks. (laughs) Hey guys, thanks for listening to my podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs>